KGNU's Morning Magazine. It's Tuesday, August 8th of 2023. I'm your host, Yvonne Olivas. Coming up on today's program, immigrant-led advocacy groups are holding a day of action today to call on Congress to pass legislation to reform the nation's visa system. The largest dam removal project in U.S. history is underway. That story and more on This Week in Water. Then, we'll go to our comment line to hear what's on the minds of listeners. At the bottom of the hour, we'll have an update from the BBC News headlines. Then it's How on Earth. This week's science show focuses on mosquito-borne illnesses, from West Nile virus to dengue fever. At 9 a.m. comes another archival recording of the wit and wisdom of Alan Watts. Then at 9.30, Ginger Perry will be in the Boulder studio for the Morning Sound Alternative. All that's still coming up. But first, it's time for Headlines with KGNU's John Kellen. Opponents of a new state law restricting the purchase of guns to people 21 and older have won a round in court. A district judge ruled yesterday that in signing Senate Bill 23-169 into law, Governor Jared Polis did not demonstrate that the measure is consistent with the nation's tradition of firearms regulation. Judge Philip Brimmer added that the plaintiffs challenging the law have demonstrated the likelihood of success on the merits of their case, according to the Denver Post. The age limit law went into effect yesterday, but is now on hold. The measure, signed by the governor in April, is one of several being challenged by the advocacy group Rocky Mountain Gun Owners. The group is also challenging a new law that requires a waiting period for all firearms purchases in Colorado. Judge Brimmer did not block that measure, which doesn't go into effect until October. The interim principal at Denver Public Schools McAuliffe International School is on paid administrative leave during an investigation into the use of a locked so-called seclusion room as a form of student discipline. Micah Claver had been named interim principal after the firing of Kurt Dennis last month. Now school board officials say Claver too, may have been involved in putting students into a locked room for disciplinary reasons. The widening investigation into the use of a locked room began after an email tip from an anonymous employee. The Denver Post says most of the employee's allegations have been corroborated. Denver police have also opened an investigation into the matter. State health officials say as many as one of every ten kindergartners are not fully vaccinated. KGNU's Jacob Agatston has the story. Colorado state data shows vaccination rates among children are down for the third straight school year following a national trend. State health officials said that, with the exception of hepatitis B, immunization rates for school-required vaccines among kindergartners have fallen below 90% for the second year in a row. Colorado Board of Health data also shows that coverage for measles, mumps, and rubella among kindergartners is at a 16-year low. Vaccination compliance rates were slightly up in children in preschool and child care. Health officials are calling on parents to update their kids' vaccinations. For KGNU, I'm Jacob Agatston. Former state Supreme Court Chief Justice Nathan B. Coates has been censured for violating the state's judicial code of conduct. A special tribunal formerly censured the retired chief justice yesterday, marking the first time ever that a Colorado Supreme Court justice has been censured. Coates admitted to authorizing a multi-million dollar contract with a high-ranking court employee, despite evidence that she had falsified documentation related to that contract. The censure does not come with a penalty. Coates retired in 2020. 
Construction on a new affordable housing modular factory is set to begin in Boulder this month. It's a joint project between the city, the Boulder Valley School District, and Flatirons Habitat for Humanity. The facility is initially expected to produce 12 to 15 modular homes a year. Those first homes will be used to upgrade residences at the Ponderosa Mobile Home Park in North Boulder, according to a press release. They'll be solar-powered and fully electric. The city is paying to build the factory. Habitat for Humanity will manage and staff it, and BVSD is providing land at 6500 Arapahoe Avenue. Students from BVSD's Technical Education Center construction program will receive on-the-job training there. Also this month, Boulder is expanding its shared e-scooter program following a successful pilot program. Lime, the company that provides the e-scooters, will expand its fleet size to 900 by the end of August. The pilot program began in 2021 in parts of East Boulder, Gun Barrel, and CU Boulder's East Campus. The expanded program is citywide, according to a press release, about three times the size of the pilot program. An evaluation showed that e-scooters reduce traffic congestion and provide new eco-friendly ways for people to get around. Three new laws protecting the rights of Colorado workers are now in effect. KGNU's Emily Cecilo has details. The new laws come from the passage of Senate Bills 23, 172, 111, and 58. SB 172, known as the Power Act, lowers the standard for harassment so that cases no longer need to be considered severe or pervasive to be defined as harassment. Some say this could be an issue for companies since one employee comment could put them in court for years. The bill's sponsor says that as long as companies provide proper training and a safe culture, there's nothing to worry about. The new law also defines marital status as a protected class. Senate Bill 111 expands protections applied to private sector employees and applies them to public employees, including the right to participate in political processes while off-duty. SB 58, the Job Application Fairness Act, helps prevent discrimination against older job seekers by prohibiting employers from requiring or asking about an applicant's age. Although the bill took effect yesterday, employers have until next July 1st to remove age-related questions from applications. For KGNU, I'm Emily Cecilo. There are more than 500 job openings at the Denver International Airport, and the DIA is holding a jobs fair tomorrow to fill them. The jobs fair is in-person only and runs from 10.30 a.m. till 12.30 p.m. It's taking place on the North Plaza between the Westin Hotel and the Jefferson Terminal, according to Nine News. Hiring employers include airlines, concessions, rental car companies, and the city and county of Denver. Full and part-time positions are available. To register and see a list of openings, visit jobs.flydenver.com. In today's forecast, the National Weather Service says to look for sunny skies across the Denver area this morning with highs later in the lower 80s. There's a 20% chance of rain after noon, extending into the evening hours. In Denver, the high is expected to be 80 degrees. Look for a high of 80 in Boulder, 79 in Fort Collins, and 70 degrees up in Nederland. For KGNU, I'm John Kellen. are listening to The Morning Magazine on KGNU. I'm your host, Yvonne Olivas. It's been nearly four decades since the last major overhaul of the immigrant visa system. In that time, immigration enforcement and detention has grown into a major for-profit industry, and millions of people living in the U.S. without authorization have been in a state of legal limbo. 
both political parties have fallen short on promises of comprehensive immigration reform, and neither have come to a bipartisan agreement on what constitutes a just reform. A number of temporary programs have come into place in the interim, like deferred action for childhood arrivals and temporary protected status. Immigrant-led advocacy groups have stepped up their calls for Congress to pass measures to reform the visa system in a way that would provide de facto permanent residents with legal permanent resident status. Today, they are organizing a nationwide day of action. KGNU's Jackie Sadley spoke with Leticia Ramirez of United for Immigration Reform about the details. Today's nationwide demonstrations are calling on Congress to pass H.R. 1511, to update the registry date of the Immigration Act of 1929. In simple terms, what exactly would updating the registry date do for people seeking authorization to live and work in the U.S.? Yeah, if they uh, update the registry act that it's allowed existing since 1929, they want to allow the immigrants to have a permit to work um, residence and with the way to the citizenship. So we're going to be able to to get it. And more than 8 million of migrants, we can get an status if they um, update that uh, law. More than 8 million. Yeah. Wow. And when was the last time that something of this capacity happened at such a high level? Well, for the last update of this law was in um, 1986 with the ex-president Ronald Reagan. So... I think for that time was about 3 million of people because we were not that many people, migrants here, but now we are a bigger group. So if they update update that date for uh, 2016, so more than 8 million migrants will be, uh, we're going to be able to get an status. Mm. Do you identify with that 8 million group? Yes, I am. Okay. Yes. (laughs) Okay. So this is a bit of a closer to home issue. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Mm. So HR 1511 calls for expanding green card eligibility to qualifying individuals who have been present in the U.S. for over seven years, including those who have been here without authorization. How hard is it to obtain legal permanent residency via the current process? Well, uh, for now, there is nothing that let us to get a status here. So that is why we are asking for the Congress to update this law because it's already a law. So the only thing they have to do is an update on this. So it's not they have to do anything else. That they have to put more rules about this because that's simple that only update the date. What has led to the need for a demonstration for this issue, as opposed to either believing in the interests of the government to change it or writing a letter? What has led to needing such a larger demonstration? Well, I think the most meaning um, demonstration that we want to do with this rally is that we are here to stay. We are home. We've been here for more than 20, 30 years, and we call here our home. Our family has grown up here, and we've been here paying our taxes. We know the system. We are here with our community. We do a new family here, even if we have our 
own family in our countries, but we have a new family here too. So we are hoping that this rally touch the hearts or the Congress of the Senate of our president because he has the power to pass this right away. It's only to have a little of empathy for us. We are really having a hard time now with all the migration. You know what happened in Florida? This has been no fair. It's so sad to think that we are in 2023 and we're still having that racism. And I think we don't deserve that. We are here only working and they need us. We need, we need them. And I think this is about union. This is about empathy. This is about thinking on our future. They let us to stay here. We can contribute more economic here because we are not free to buy like a house, like a car, because we are always with the risk that they're going to deport us and what we're going to do with all that. So we are always in that risk and we are just asking them for give us an opportunity. Not only call us essentials, they give us something to stay here to live free, to live in peace, and go back to see our family in our countries and come back to work here. If this action doesn't lead to immediate change, what do you fear might happen for you and for others that you know in your community, and how soon do you think that might happen? Well... As I told you before, there's laws that the governments are passing, like Florida, and that's our biggest fear, that each state start doing the same thing. We are not going to stop here. If they don't listen to us today, they're going to listen to us every day because we're not stopping here. Wednesday, we're having demonstrations outside of our Senator Hickenlooper, and we have a meeting with Senator or his staff, Bennett, and we're going to go to see our Congress Carabeo too. We are not going to stop because it's time they hear us. So you'll be participating in that demonstration today in Denver, but what other cities are taking part in the Day of Action? Yeah, this is a national-wide action today. It's happening in Chicago, it's happening in Washington, D.C., it's happening in Washington, Vancouver, it's happening in ha um, Houston, Texas, in Tampa, Florida, all those states. So has the pending ruling on DACA added urgency to the longtime calls for immigration reform? Or are there plans in place to pivot in the case of an unfavorable ruling? Well, actually, if this law is updated, not only TPS but DACA, essential workers, farmer workers, and dreamers, they we all fit in this law. So there's no going to be only a part of a group. We all fit in this. So that's why it's so important that DACA recipients join us because this is an opportunity for their parents too. They have to start thinking of their, on their parents. 
because it's not only for them. Because if DACA stop, they're gonna have a really bad consequence because some of the DACAs already have kids here. So if they get deported, what's gonna happen? So just to reiterate there, if DACA ends, but this HR 1511 is updated, the registry date of the Immigration Act of 1929 is updated, that would help those recipients. Yes. Yeah. DACA, TPS, uh, essential workers, farmer workers. Yeah, we all fit in there. Okay. Those are all of my questions for you. Is there anything else you'd like our listeners to know about today's demonstration? Well, I just hope they join us uh, to this rally, not only here in Denver. They can um, look on their own states and join us. This is uh, about unity. This is about empathy. It's one of the big chances that we have. All right. I've been speaking with Leticia Ramirez, member of United for Immigration Reform. For KGNU and Report for America, I'm Jackie Sedley. Up next is This Week in Water with Jamie Sudler and Franny Halperin. Your next winter coat could help store carbon. That story and more on H2O Radio's weekly news report. I'm Jamie Sudler. I'm Franny Halperin, and it's This Week in Water. The largest dam removal project in U.S. history is underway on the Klamath River that runs along the California-Oregon border. Last year, the federal government approved the demolition of four dams to open up the river for salmon habitat after decades of lobbying by Native American tribes. The dams, which were constructed from 1918 to 1962, had prevented the fish from reaching spawning grounds upstream. Much of the first dam is now gone, allowing the river to flow freely at that that point, the remaining three dams and reservoirs will be removed next year. Emptying the reservoirs will allow sunlight in areas for the first time in more than a century. When done, 400 miles will have been open to wildlife, including threatened species. To prepare, tribes in the area have been gathering seeds by hand to spread them along the banks of the Freed River, and hundreds of thousands of trees and shrubs will be planted. Rewilding the Klamath is part of a movement across the U.S. to restore habitat for fish and ecosystems. About 2,000 dams have been torn down, most in the last 25 years. Global warming is causing permafrost to melt, which could release pathogens, bacteria, viruses, and microorganisms that have been in suspended animation for thousands of years. While previous research has shown that pathogens can emerge from melting ice and permafrost, a new study from Flinders University in Australia shows that about 1% of those could pose a significant risk to ecosystems. And while that may seem small, the researchers say that there's substantial danger because ecosystems and humans have not been exposed to the ancient pathogens and may not have developed defenses. Permafrost is a permanently frozen layer on or under the Earth's surface, consisting of soil, gravel, and sand bound together by ice, found mainly in Arctic regions of Greenland, the U.S., China, Russia, and Europe. In 2016, a massive anthrax outbreak in Siberia linked to thawing permafrost affected dozens of people and killed thousands of reindeer. 
The authors warn that it is plausible a virus once bound in ice could enter human populations through animals, as did HIV, SARS, and Ebola. As more and more renewable energy comes online, the need to store the power generated from solar and wind is growing too. Existing battery technology is expensive and relies on materials like lithium, which has environmental impacts, so low-cost, sustainable alternatives are needed. So researchers from MIT thought, how about storing electricity in the foundation of a house? That's the idea behind electrified cement a new technology that takes two of the world's ubiquitous materials, cement and so-called carbon black, and turns them into a supercapacitor that can store exceptionally large amounts of electric charge. Carbon black, which resembles very fine charcoal, occurs naturally after wildfires and also from human activity like the incomplete combustion of fossil fuels. It's been used since antiquity as a pigment, the Dead Sea Scrolls were written with it, and it's very conductive. For that reason, the team experimented with adding carbon black into a concrete mixture with water and found it formed a branching network that acted like wires. As the material hardened, it was ready not only to support a house, but also to store the energy its rooftop solar would generate. The researchers say the supercapacitor cement could capture electricity generated, say, by a wind turbine in its concrete platform, or store energy from solar panels along a highway in the base of a road and charge EVs as they drive along. And finally, sure, it's still summer, but before long, we'll be reaching for our puffy coats. And while the quilted jackets are great for keeping us warm, they're not so hot for the environment. The fluffy filling is made either from polyester derived from fossil fuels or from down feathers plucked from geese or ducks, often not in an ethical manner. But your next padded jacket not only could be good for birds, it could also support biodiversity, help farmers, and fight the climate crisis. Enter the humble bulrush, a plant similar to cattails which grows in peatlands around the world and has an unmistakable sausage-like flower head that becomes covered in fluffy seeds to be carried off in the wind. Turns out those seeds can make a warm, lofty, and water-resistant insulation perfect for puffy coats. A UK company called Saltico is using the fluff to create a product called BioPuff which they will harvest from bulrush, grown using an agricultural practice that re-wets peatlands to return them to health while offering farmers a marketable crop. Peatlands can store more carbon than all other vegetation types in the world combined, but many have been drained. So officials in the UK just announced grants to restore the vital ecosystems, including one that Saltico will use to grow bulrush near Manchester. It takes around 20 bulrush flower heads to fill one jacket, and the first seeds will be harvested from the English site in 2026. The coats will not only help mitigate the climate crisis, but will also make saving the planet fashionable. That's it for this week in water. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. We go now to our comment line to hear what's on the minds of listeners. Yeah, this, this is Larry. Here is um, something for the community calendar. The uh, Boulder County Fair begins uh, um, Thursday, 
August 3rd, and goes to, to Sunday, August 13th. The horse events are the, uh, the 2nd through the 6th. Uh, the website is Facebook, BoulderCountyFair.org. Thank you. Hi, this is James. All believers in democracy and free press are being called to rally in Denver this week as journalism is not a crime. Tomorrow, August 8th, at Representative Dickett's office at noon. On Wednesday, at noon, Hickenlooper's office. And Thursday, at noon, Bennett's office. Urging them to have all charges dropped against award-winning journalist and publisher, Australian citizen, Julian Assange. Julian has been smeared and jailed by the perpetrators of his revelations of high political crimes and corruption of U.S. empire. Don't believe the smear. Free Assange. Journalism is not a crime. For more information, please call me, James, at 303-210-5907. Thank you. If you'd like to make a comment on something you heard on KGNU, you can leave a message on our listener comment line at 303-447-9911. That's it for today's Morning Magazine. I've been your host and producer, Yvonne Olivas. Thanks to John Kellen, Jacob Agatston, Emily Sosilo, Borja Junke, Shannon Young, Jackie Sudley, Franny Halbrin, and Jamie Sudler for their contributions on today's program. Stay tuned for How on Earth, the KGNU Science Show. That's coming up after the BBC News Headlines.